In the 1966 film The Fantastic Voyage, starring Raquel Welch, a submarine crew shrinks to microscopic size and ventures into the body of an injured scientist to repair damage to his brain. Fifty years later, what once seemed fantastical may now be more science than fiction. Today we'll hear from Professor Richard Hammermesh about his case entitled Proteus Biomedical, Making Pigs Fly. I'm your host, Brian Kenny, and you're listening to Cold Call. So we are all sitting there in the classroom. The professor walks in. And they look up and you know it's coming. Oh, the dreaded cold call. Richard Hammermesh teaches in the MBA and executive education programs at Harvard Business School. He's an expert on the business issues affecting healthcare policy and delivery. Richard, welcome. Thank you, Brian. So I wonder if you could start just by setting up the case for us. Tell us about Mabel, who is uh, the fictional protagonist in the beginning of this case. Right. Well, as you indicated, uh, this case, the subject of it, does have a lot of science fiction elements to it. Proteus is a company that has developed technology to put a chip inside of a pill, any pill. Mm -hmm. And that chip will send signals that can be received, complicated technology, that say, you, Brian, have taken that pill at this dosage at this time. And that information can be conveyed. So pretty science uh, fiction type of stuff. My challenge in writing it was, how do I communicate what this is, why it exists, without it sounding implausible? And by the way, thus the subtitle of the case, Making Pigs Fly. So how do you introduce this? And it turns out that in the company's material, because I don't want to take all the credit for myself, they have some fictional examples Mm -hmm. in their marketing materials. And as I read it, I said, that's the answer to my problem. So the case starts with a future fictional case study. It is an italic, so no one gets the wrong idea. And it's basically about a somewhat elderly woman who has had myocardial infarctions, Mm -hmm. heart attacks. And uh, she is now on a whole bunch of meds trying to recover. She is a heart failure patient, and she is struggling in and out of the hospital. Magically, they give her the Band-Aid on her arm that will receive the signals, and she starts taking pills with what they call the raisin inside, which is nothing more than a chip to signal it. With that information, going to Mabel's doctors, going to Mabel's children, Mm -hmm. they're able to monitor whether she's taking the right drugs. In real time. Whether she's adhering. Is she adhering? Oh, and by the way, are they working? Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the dosages are wrong. Think about in, in a heart failure patient, you're taking five, six, seven, twelve medicines. How do you know that each one has the right dosage? There are also monitors in the pill for your blood pressure, other vital signs. Yeah. So the doc, the nurse, can look and say, "We're not getting the right result here. We need to change the dosage." You know, it's in the end of the fictional account. Mabel lives happily ever after, is going to museums, Red Sox games, et cetera. Uh And my idea was, hey, now this makes it real. So uh, let's talk about what inspired you to write the case. Okay. I was not looking for a far-out technology case. I was looking for a business development case. Business development partnering deals are critical in the life sciences. The amount of money needed to get any either drug or diagnostic or medical device to market Mm -hmm. is so large 
that it is virtually impossible to raise it just from venture capital, private equity markets. You need big companies to give you money to go further in return for them getting some exclusive rights for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That brings me to another question about Proteus. What are they? Are they a technology company? Are they a medical device company? Are they both of those things? Well, it's a, it, well first of all, they are a technology company. And uh, the scientific staff and the number of patents they have accumulated on this, uh, it's totally science-based. But your question is one of the questions I ask in class. They are a device company and very much want to be because if they're a pharmaceutical company, think about this. Every drug that they put this chip in mm -hmm. would have to be reapproved. If instead they're a device company with this chip, then you can put the chip into any uh, pill that's, that's on the market right. that you obviously uh, get permission for. But one of the big issues in the case that we discuss in class is what should your regulatory strategy be? Mm -hmm. How do you organize business development? Which pharmaceutical companies do you go to to say, we need to sign a deal for us to put the pill inside your medicine, mm -hmm. okay? And how do you think about this? And the case lays out the whole winnowing process and criteria they set, because I wanted to teach business development. It's a linchpin in making the life science arena work. Yeah. And it's not just throwing darts. Who will do a deal with us? It's a systematic process. These guys were extremely systematic about it. Mm -hmm. So I want to take my students through that. Take someone who has tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. It is very important that those people take the proper antibiotics for a year and a half, mm -hmm. okay? If not, it will reoccur, and they are a threat to the community, yep. okay? The way you take those meds is called observed therapy. Some You either go into a clinic and take it, or some medical worker goes out and assures you've taken it every day. Yeah. Now- if that isn't a pain. Highly inefficient. Highly <laughs> inefficient and humiliating for the patient and a huge disruption to their life. What if in that antibiotic that they're taking, you put a chip in each one mm -hmm. and it's transmitted either in, underneath their skin subcutaneously or a Band-Aid. That goes to a cell tower yeah. and the health system knows, their doctor knows. Pretty cool application, right? And everyone wins in this setting. The chip gets embedded in the pill, but now Proteus needs to, they just can't put their chip in random pills. They've got to negotiate a deal with those companies. Mm -hmm. But are, are there, uh, this raises uh, other issues, and I'm curious if this comes up when you discuss this in class. Big Brother's watching in a way that... Uh, well, that's why, and that is why that they've been very careful in picking the areas that they do this in. On the tuberculosis example, that is not proven to be a problem mm -hmm. because the benefits are so great. They have a human interactions group there that figures out how to motivate patients in each of these categories mm -hmm. to uh, adhere and to, to stick with it. And they go into these patient groups almost like, like anthropologists to study. I'll give you one example. Transplantation patients mm -hmm. who've already had the transplant. These people, you may know, have to be on immunosuppressants the rest of their life yes. be, or else they would reject 
the new uh, liver or the new heart or the kidney, whatever it may be. Now, you and I would think if there's one group that's going to comply and adhere to their medicine, yes. it will be transplantation patients. Not true. Uh-huh. Two things. One, except for the pain of the surgery, they wake up the next day or two and they feel like a totally new human being again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like your kidneys work, <laughs> you know, uh, your heart works. So they feel so good. It's hard for them to get through that they need any medicine. Yeah. By the way, they have a, a medicine cabinet full of medicines to have survived before, and they're very happy to, to get, get rid, rid of, of them and not see another jar of pills again in their life. There is also a phenomenon they have survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. Because of the ethical issues, they are not allowed to know <clears throat> the identity of who it was and who the family is, they have no way of saying thanks. Mm -hmm. What do they do? They find out from each patient gets interviewed, what's your favorite charity? Is it AIDS in Africa? Mm -hmm. Is it cystic fibrosis? Is it ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease? And for every 10 days, they stick with a regiment. Yeah. A contribution is made to that. Ah. Pretty very clever, yeah, right? That's very clever. So this is all amazing in- when you get smart people working <laughs> on on the, these things, and it also shows that I mean, this is a far out technology. Yeah. When they first showed this technology, the person who said it said, "Yeah, that's very cool. Can you also make pigs fly?" There and it that, is. There it is. You know, <laughs> but you still need the human element right. uh, here, and these guys are still in business. Mm-hmm. They have been quite successful with this. They're still a private company. They're now valued at over a billion dollars. But most of the money has come from these partnerships with pharmaceutical companies and, to some degree, device companies. What I have when we teach this case, the students are leaning forward in their seats, and then you sort of unwrap and guide them in the direction of, how critical business development has been in all of this, how over time it's accounted for two-thirds of the money that they've uh, raised. So let me ask you, along those lines, uh, if I'm a young uh, pharmaceutical executive out there, uh, is there something I should be taking away from this case? Is there something that I should be thinking about in particular? I think for someone in the industry, for students who are looking to go into this as a career, Mm. I think it gives them a very good feel for what business development entails, sort of a guide for them on what they'll have to do. And as in all cases, hey, is this for me? Mm -hmm. Is this something that I would find intellectually challenging to do uh, this type of work? Richard Hammermesh, thanks for joining us on Cold Call. You're welcome. You can find this case along with thousands of others in the Harvard Business School case collection at hbr.org. I'm Brian Kenny. Thanks for listening to Cold Call, the official podcast of Harvard Business School.